All right, and hello out there to everybody. You're listening to and watching Amateur Radio Roundtable, a show about ham radio, shortwave listening, electronics. We're glad to have you tonight, and especially if you're out there tonight listening on uh, WBCQ on shortwave, uh, we'd love to uh, hear from you. Let's see, I'm looking for a looking for a picture here. WBCQ, where is it? There it is. If you're out there on WBCQ listening on 7490 tonight, up in Mon out of Monticello, Maine, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, please send us an email to tom at w5kub.com, tom at w5kub.com, and tell us where in the world you are and how you're hearing the station tonight. And, uh, hey, uh, don't forget, you can pick us up on just about any podcast carrier out there, from iTunes to to iNet Radio, Google Play, uh, everybody out there is a podcast carrier is carrying us, and uh, there's just too many to even list here. So, uh, and we got some emails. We got a few emails from people listening on the podcast last time. I, I asked them to send us an email, and I, I got a few emails. I'm going to read them, and and uh, uh, give them a shout out tonight for sending in that email. And uh, so we'll do that. Uh, we're waiting on a guest. Well, our guest tonight is uh, is Eric uh, uh, 4Z1UG, and um, he uh, he's in he's in uh, Israel. But uh, so far he hadn't come into the show yet, so he may come in a few minutes late. So we've got other things we can be doing tonight, and maybe uh, Eric will pop in here in just a few minutes, and uh, he's going to be you know he is the founder of QSO Today podcast. And uh, he's going to be talking about the virtual ham expo that's coming up here real soon. I think this is the third year for it there. Uh, hey, hit the subscribe button. If you will, hit the subscribe button uh, there. We'd love to have you subscribe. Let me see if I can help you out a little bit. There we go. Just It should be right down here somewhere. So look, look where that arrow's pointing. Hit that subscribe button. Hey, hit the little bell for notification. That way it will tell you when we come on with something special or in between our weekly shows. So uh, uh, please, uh, please, please subscribe. It helps us uh, to uh, advertise our show on YouTube as people are searching YouTube. Uh, it, uh, it, it, it will help bring people to our channel there. Uh, let's see what's going on. I just got back from New Orleans this weekend. I had a good trip down to... Uh, New Orleans, uh, went down for a college graduation, rode the train down, rode Amtrak down, and drove the granddaughter's car all the way back uh, so she could ride the train. Uh, pretty good trip, I guess. Um, but anyway, we're glad to be home here. All right, let's see. Uh, let's see. Is there any other announcements? Oh, hey, join our Facebook group. We've got a great Facebook group. Uh, it's just called W5KUB. Or you can type in Amateur Radio Roundtable, but that's a long name. So just type in, in a search bar in uh, Facebook, just uh, W5KUB, and join us. We've got about 13 or 14,000 members in that group, and it's growing all the time. So, uh, hey, we got Glenn with us tonight, and he showed up. I'm not here by myself. Thanks, old Glenn. He's, he's dependable. He is here. So, Glenn, how you doing tonight, man? Hey, we're doing real good. Um you know, I actually had to go to work again today, but we've had three straight days of sun after all that cold and rain. So 
you know, been enjoying that and actually been doing stuff outside. I just about got my uh, cobweb rewired and put Ooh. back together. The, uh, the ice storm and everything pretty much busted it up. So yeah, we getting ready to put put the wire back on it and get it back on the air and start having some fun. Well, I tell you the. Um... A lot of cobwebs were damaged with that ice. You know, I, yeah. I don't know if it's something they want to look into and if they can't, you know. Well, maybe. in my case, it's kind of got a bunch of pine trees overhanging it. And, you know, whenever you have ice, you got pine limbs coming down. <clears throat> mm -hmm. You know, so it just took out the wires, though. The antenna itself is fine. So just have to put some new wire up. Yeah, well. That's not too bad. At least it didn't didn't break the uh, what the fiberglass supports the arms right? or anything. Well, no, 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 I guess they just shape. bent. Okay. Well, very good there. All right. Hey, uh, I know you've got a little segment we're going to run tonight, and uh, we'll we'll get started on that. Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, Eric will join us a little later uh, tonight. But uh, hey, did you guys know? Look at this, man. I saw this this week. Look at this. Here we go. Look at this. Right there, 40 years ago this week. Oh, my word. 40, 40 years ago, 40? the cell phone was invented, and it came out. You could buy that cell That cell phone there was $3,995. Yep. Right there. And, uh, you know, um, that was a pretty good cell phone, actually. Yeah, I had the bag so, right version there? of that in the 90s. That was, that was a fairly decent cell phone right there. A little big, yeah. you know, to carry around in your pocket, you know, and the, the charger was a, is about, you know, it's about the size of a football. You drop that in and... Uh, but, yeah, you know, but they, they, they ran like five watt. Yeah, this was a good one. I actually had a car kit uh, with, you know, an antenna on the win exactly. window, back window, and this, this would go into a, a cradle uh, there in the hump on the car and it actually connected to the uh, antenna back on the windshield. So it was, uh, it was pretty yeah. good. You had and some good range. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's good and heavy. Um, boy, I hadn't charged this thing up in about uh, 30 years, maybe 35 <laughs> years. So I don't know if it'll charge up or not, but that's, uh, uh, that's it there. That looks like, that looks like the one they were talking about here, pretty close to it. It's yeah. Was that the Motorola? Yeah, this is the Motorola. Right. Uh, well, it's the Motorola. Uh, it says Bell South Mobility, but this is the Mo. Yeah, this is the Ultra Classic by Motorola. So uh, that's what uh, that's what this was. The Ultra Classic by Motorola. Let's see. You used to take the battery off, right? Yeah, the battery. There you go. There's the battery right there, man. Green screen's not doing it very good. Here's the battery right there. So. Well, hey, man, I already just put, I already put this thing back in service. And you know, <laughs> yeah, it won't connect to anything. Well, I could put it in service, but you know what? I found out uh, over the years, I had a, a, a number of, uh, man, I won't come back together. I had a number of old cell phones, you know, that I retired. And, uh, you know, I got new cell phones, new numbers, things like that. And the grandkids would play with those phones. And they could actually. They'd turn that phone on, and the operator would actually answer. Wow. I guess I guess for emergencies, those phones would still connect to an operator, 
And then I, then I guess they would ask, do you want, you know, what are you doing, uh, you know, uh, maybe to try to sell you a plant or something. I don't know. But they would still connect even after they were uh, discontinued there. Wow. I did not uh, know that. Yeah. Let's see. I'm going to check the chat room out here. Let's see. Uh, bag phone. Yeah, Doc had a bag phone there. Yeah, I had one of those, too. I can't remember who made it, but, yeah, I had a, a phone in the bag. I had a um, I had a phone that was a oh man what do you call it it was it was actually a it was actually a little like a, a like a little computer it had a stylus uh, but it was oh a that's phone. like a BlackBerry well no I had a BlackBerry after that this was called a uh, oh the Palm Pilot I mean I don't know what it was called I got one of those up there in the attic in the attic up here and. Uh, uh, you know, hey, someday we might have a use for these things, you know. Well, they might be valuable as collector's items. I mean, yeah. some of the old original Apple stuff is, yeah, you know, going for quite a pretty penny these days. Well, yeah, Don, Don is saying a trio. Yeah. Well, you know, I know my uh, my friend over in uh, Romania or wherever that did this remote base app uh, that I, you know, have shown on the show before. He is... He is working on taking all that off the computer and running it on a droid phone. So you wouldn't even have to have a computer hooked up at home. You just have a droid phone uh, connected to your radio there, and somehow, you know, it becomes the computer and, and does all that. That's kind of neat, you know. I wish you could get that done, man. Yeah. wish you get it done. Uh, okay, hey, let's just jump into some emails here real quick that we got uh, this week. Let's see who we got them from here. Um, hey, here's one here from uh, Bill K5LK. I don't know. Bill probably going to be listening. I, I doubt he's watching tonight because he's a podcast listener. But uh, Bill said, hey, you know, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's been on a podcast enjoying it. Uh, okay. All right. That's from, that's from old Bill uh, K5LK. Uh, and we got one here, a note from another Bill. Uh, he's a podcast listener right there. Uh, podcast Android, uh, probably downloading. The, I'm trying to read this at about 50 feet away. Oh, I can read it for you. Uh, can you read it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. As you requested, I'm a podcast listener. I yeah. listen on podcast addict, addict on Android, probably downloading from Podbean. Yeah, Thanks for yeah. the podcast, yeah. Bill NF6R. All right, and then we've got uh, we got one here, Athena. This is Athena Gibbons. Yeah. My husband and I listen to your show via podcast. We live in Mesa, Arizona, planning to get an antenna set up to listen via shortwave. Oh, Athena wow. Gibbons, AI7AP. Yeah, well, that's cool. They might hear us better on the podcast than on shortwave. Out in Arizona, I don't think we've got a very good footprint out that way, but who knows? Yeah, you never know with the, the way you, things you are these days. You never know, man. You never, never know. Okay. Well, let's see. Let's get us back on the show here. There we go. Uh, <clears throat> so let's see. What else is going on here? Oh, yeah, hey, just a couple of announcements here real quick. Hey, next week, we're going to have Glenn and Dr. Duino on here. No, Dr. Dr. Arduino or Dr. Duino? It's Dr. Duino. Um, his name is Guido Benelli. Yeah. And uh, he is the founder and 
chief inventor and chief bottle washer there at drduino.com. Uh, they build a lot of Arduino uh, prototyping uh, gear and things of that nature. Okay, and, well, that's uh, cool. Uh, that, that'll be a good show. So uh, you you and he can talk about uh, Arduino and all the kind of things. You're the expert in our group here. I mean, I know nothing. So I'm going to just sit back and listen, you know. Well, he's going to uh, be demonstrating some of his projects and things and talking about some of his projects and our uh, products, including some of his latest ones. But he's got a really, really cool project that he calls the Goonie Box that's based on the uh, the movie The Goonies. And uh, it's Arduino-powered, and it's really, really cool because he does a lot of CNC and laser printing, uh, laser cutting and things well, of that nature. I don't know what the Goonie Box is, but just because of the name, I think I need to, to, to get me one or build one. need to go so. watch the movie, The Goonies. The Goonies. Okay. All right. I'll, uh, it's I'll a, do like that. It's like a 90s man. show. I'll do that. So that's uh, next week on uh, March 14th. Dr. Duano will be with us with, with Glenn here. Hey, guys, the 21st, two weeks away, March the 21st. I don't know if we're going to have a show or not. I'm going to be traveling. Uh, I'm going over to, uh, I'll be doing a presentation uh, that night with the uh, Arkansas Arkansas River Valley Amateur Radio Club over in Russellville, Arkansas, uh, over, uh, uh, over there. So I'm going to be there doing a presentation. Going to spend a little time in Russellville. That's where I went to, to college over there. I've already talked to the college. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to go in my old dorms and look around a little bit. And uh, you know, when I when I was there, the dorms were my, my first year there. I was in a new dorm. My second year there, uh, I was in a, another new dorm that was just built. And I'm thinking, okay, these are the new dorms. But man, that was 50 years ago. These suckers are probably falling apart by now. So, so I don't know. But, but no, I tell you what, uh, I think they, they're totally changed from when I was there. Um, uh, I think now they have private baths in all the rooms. Uh, hey, I think they're even co-ed now, to tell you the truth. I, I don't know. It wasn't co-ed when I was there. Uh, uh, but anyway, so we're going to be doing that, uh, spending a few days in Russellville. Uh, I'm going to go up on Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo is, uh, I don't know, it's a pretty high little plateau over there is 2,000 feet high and uh, I'm gonna go up there a lot of the Memphis guys go over for a VHF uh, contest uh, contesting and uh, it's pretty neat up here it's flat up here and you can set your VHF antennas up and it'd be 2,000 feet high and uh, you can do some good uh, contacts from uh, from over in that area there so we're gonna do that Arkansas River goes through there the dams the lakes we're gonna have a good time there going to eat at Whataburger. I remember when they built that Whataburger on the campus. It is still there. We're going to eat at Whataburger. And then I think we're going to go up to Branson, Branson, Missouri, for a couple days and uh, maybe ride a train or something and, you know, take in some of the shows. So I don't, I don't think I'm going to have a show two weeks from now on March the 21st. Uh, it may be that we pull up uh, a rerun or something and run it, but we may just skip... Uh, we may just skip that. All right. So, Glenn, what do you got going tonight? You said you, uh, you've got some kind of deal there you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, 
we got Bill about to join us as well. Okay. WB80, okay. Um, yeah, I did this little presentation, put it together here. And um, if you'll set it up so I can share the screen, I'll get rolling here. Yep. And let's see. It's going to get interesting. Hang on, I got to switch my screens around because I got everything all over the place here. Do that. All right, now we should be able to share this screen. Da -da. And I'll give it a minute or two to load up and everything. I'm still running Windows 7. But you should be able to, to see my screen now. Yeah. Yeah, we got it. Okay. Got this it. is... Um, talking about uh, the Arduino powered lightning detector and how it works and uh, gives us a little insight into lightning and some things like that and uh, so we'll we'll do this tonight um, one of the things I'm often asked is where do I come up with my ideas for the Arduino projects um, and in the case of the lightning detector, it came as a result of a ham radio weekend breakfast get-together that we used to have. Um, a lot of my ideas come from just looking at things. For example, I've got a project on my workbench right now that um, a friend has an issue with their ice maker in their fridge in that um, Someone takes the, their glass and holds it under the ice dispenser and they leave the glass in there for an extended period of time and of course it clogs the ice maker. They have to pull it all apart and unclog the ice and everything. So I came up with an Arduino powered project that senses when you uh, start dispensing the ice and it gives you seven seconds of ice and it's adjustable as well. And then it disables the ice maker for about 30 seconds. And of course, it can be bypassed if you you know need more ice. But this will prevent that ice maker from getting jammed. So this is where I get some of my ideas from. In the case of the lightning detector, um, this is also the origin for one of my favorite phrases. Whenever you hear me talk about the Arduino, when I say, "Wouldn't it be cool if?" And that conversation started out with, "Wouldn't it be cool if we could build a lightning detector?" to detect when lightning was in the area and automatically disconnect your antennas and then reconnect them when the storm has passed. Back then I was on the road a lot during the day and um, I couldn't get home to disconnect my antennas if I didn't think ahead of time. And you would, you know, leave your radios at risk and things like that. So uh, the general consensus around the table was that, yeah, such a device like that would be cool but lightning detectors were expensive. Well, there was my challenge. And uh, I actually found what I needed online for about 30 bucks as soon as I got home from that breakfast and I ordered those parts the same day. First of all, let's look at what lightning is. It's an electrical discharge caused by imbalances between storm clouds and the ground or between the clouds themselves. Think of it as kind of a form of friction, just like when you rub your feet on the carpet and then touch a, a doorknob. 
uh, just think of it on a much, much bigger scale. Lightning happens with the negative charges uh, from the electrons in the bottom of the cloud are attracted to the positive charges, the protons, in the ground. Lightning is a large-scale natural spark discharge that occurs within the atmosphere or between the atmosphere and the Earth's surface. On discharge, a highly conductive plasma channel is created in the air, and when this current flows within this channel, it rapidly heats the air to about 25,000 degrees centigrade. So you got a pretty hot little pipe there. But research has determined that lightning has a detectable RF component at about 500 kilohertz, which is why you could prominently hear the lightning um, on a, your standard AM radio. Preachers, researchers have also determined that if you listen to those lightning crashes on an AM radio, you can hear that the lightning kind of has a unique signature or pattern to the noise. Well, this company called Austria Microsystems created the AS3935 Franklin Lightning Sensor to detect this unique signature. And unaided, you can typically hear thunder at a distance of approximately 10 kilometers, which often leaves far too little time to find adequate shelter from a fast-moving storm. And here is the AS3935 chip. It's a 16-pin uh, chip, you know, about the size of a tick the MLPQ package. It's got the SPI and the I2C bus. It's got a little onboard voltage regulator. It's got signal processing, and I mean, the signal processing is amazing, and we'll get into that. But um, basically, it's also got a 500 kilohertz receiver, and its goal is to listen for that lighting, lightning, analyze it, and try to find the, uh, the pattern in it. The AS3935 lightning sensor uses a sensitive RF receiver to detect the emissions from nearby lightning activity. It detects both cloud-to-ground and cloud-to-cloud -cloud lightning. A proprietary algorithm embedded in the hardware in this chip converts the RF signal into an estimation of the distance to the head of the storm. Based on extensive meteorological survey data, this algorithm produces an estimated distance to storm calculation from 40 kilometers all the way down to one kilometer and overhead. The algorithm also rejects disturbances, which are known as disturbers, from man-made signals such as motors and arcs and microwave ovens and things of that nature. AS3935 can be configured to use either the SPI or the I2C communication protocols. The shortest time between these detection events is approximately one second. It operates on a power supply voltage from 2.4 to 5.5 volts when you use the on-chip voltage regulator. Otherwise, it runs on 2.4 to 3.6 volts. It has three modes, power down, which means it's just on standby, not doing anything. Listen, where it's listening, uh, but not fully powered up. And once it hears something, then it will fully power up. And then active, which is it's ready to go. And uh, Austria Microsystems developed this, but now it has been sold to and manufactured by Sciosense. And it's available as a module from various suppliers such as SparkFun, AliExpress, Banggood, eBay, DF Robot, Playing with Fusion, Embedded Adventures, and some others. And they're costing about 25 bucks or so.
Here are some of these various modules. You can see Spark Fun and the Playing with Fusion. They're all basically the same, but if you look on each of them, you see that little label with uh, the white label with the black writing. That is on top of a, basically a bar antenna, very similar to those antennas you used to have inside your transistor AM radios, just on a much smaller scale. And these things are about the size of a postage stamp. The chip also has an interrupt output, so your sketch doesn't have to sit there and constantly pull the sensor for activity. It can interrupt you and let you know that it has found a lightning event. And these detection settings, uh, there's a, a number of them that you can adjust to configure so you can fine-tune it for your environment. Uh, if you've got a higher-than-normal noise level or things of that nature, you can adjust for that. It has an indoor and an outdoor sensitivity mode. Uh, you've got spike rejection, which will help you to differentiate between the false events and the actual lightning. Then you have a lightning threshold. This is the number of events that must occur within a 15-minute window before it says lightning has been detected. And it also has a watchdog threshold that determines the threshold and the number of events that will actually trigger the IRQ pin to give you a lightning interrupt. You can also mask out the disturbers so you can watch for these noise events in case you want to. Uh, these are events other than lightning. Uh, and that will allow them to trigger the IRQ pin as well if you want to detect high noise and things of that nature. The AS3935 module has an onboard mini bar antenna, just like you see in the transistor radios. This is what is used to receive that 500 kilohertz component in the lightning. The sensor must be tuned to the proper frequency by adjusting the division ratio and capacitance of the sensor. Fortunately, this tuning process can be performed within a sketch, and once these values have been determined for a given module, you don't need to repeat the tuning process. You can hard code these values in your sketch. But you do need to be aware that every module, due to manufacturing differences, it's just slightly different enough that you will need to tune each individual module. Uh, a lot of them come with the recommended tuning parameters, but if not, you can tune them with a sketch. And you also want to avoid running the SPI bus or any other interface at its 500 kilohertz clock rate. And that way you avoid cross-coupling, false detection, and desensitizing of the receiver. It'll also report a lightning energy value. Now, this is just a relative number from 0 to 100. It's got no real physical correlation. But you can use it to produce an energy value of the energy of the lightning it's detecting. The estimated distance reported is not the distance to the single lightning event, but rather the estimated distance to the leading edge of the storm as determined by the on-chip signal processing. SparkFun has an excellent library for this, and although there are other libraries available, you can get them all through the Arduino IDE's library manager. They all work really good. And as we mentioned earlier, a possible amateur radio application would be to use this lightning detector to disconnect our antennas and other equipment when an approaching storm is detected and reconnect them after the storm has passed. And here we are building this. We're running an Arduino Nano. We've got our level shifters to talk to the module. Actually, the level shifters are to talk to the TFT display. We've added a relay so that we can give us a... a uh, a contact output so we can connect that to a 
a device, module, assembly, or whatever that will perform the actual antenna disconnect. And then the headers there are to connect power switches, input power, the TFT display, and the actual lighting sensor, as you'll see here in a minute. We've got it up on a, a little short mast, and this is to prevent interference from the Arduino's clock and SPI bus and whatever. We've got a TFT display and things like that, but we actually run that cable down to that border on those header pins. This is what the display looks like. In this case, lightning was detected 24 kilometers away, and energy is 83%, so it was a pretty strong little storm. And this happened two minutes ago, and it's telling me that my antennas are disconnected. And they will stay disconnected until 30 minutes after, or 60 minutes after the storm has passed. And then you have your various uh, tuning parameters and everything also on the display. Here's our schematic, and I don't think you can really see that that well, but you've got the nano, you've got the level shifter, you've got the TFT display, and then you can use any of those lightning detection modules. Uh, just make sure you get the pin wiring correctly and everything, and that's why each module is shown here. And then there's your relay, and it gives me a pair of contacts out that I can use to control a disconnect assembly. The flow chart here, very simple. At the start, we include our libraries, define our variables, set up the lightning detector, set up the display, and then we set up the I.O. pins, initialize the lightning detector, and initialize the display. And then here we check if that calibration jumper is set. If it is, then we perform the, the tuning capacitor calibration. And if it's not, we fall straight into the main loop, which will check for an event. It will update the event times, check for the event, and display what event it saw. And then it will set and reset the antenna disconnect relay based on uh, the timing parameters. And this entire project has been updated. It was in my first book. But this has been completely updated, and it's going to be in the new book that's coming out here called The Best of Arduino for Ham Radio from ARRL. This is due out in late May or early June at this point. And the sketches and libraries for this will be available soon at www.kw5gp.com. And let's see here. Let me stop sharing. Well, Glenn, is that uh, specified? Uh, which uh, Arduino IDE to use? Can you use the new updated one, or do you need uh, to use the it old? It uses the. Uh, am I still sharing? Yeah, you are. All right, hang on. I gotta gotta stop the sharing. Well, there we go. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's using version one point. 18, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, it'll work with any of the later IDEs now. Uh, once you get past the 1.14 uh, or thereabouts, they changed a lot of things. But the uh, the current IDE prior to version 2.0 will do it just fine. Yeah. I don't have anything on 2.0 yet. It's still too new for me to trust it. So it uses the standard IDE at like version 1.8. Well, I, uh, I upgraded to the 2.0 or 2.08 or whatever it was uh, here a few weeks ago uh, when I was doing the uh, ESP32. Right. And, uh, man, that thing looks different. 
It looks yeah, totally it is. different. But here is that lightning detector. Yeah. And uh, Tom, you'll you'll remember this because you were part of it back in that field day a couple of years where we had those horrible storms and all the flooding and everything. Um, yeah. You know, we were out at field day. We actually had this lightning detector out there. And whenever lightning was detected, we'd all get to safety and away from the radios and out of the rain. And uh, when it wasn't detecting lightning in the area, we could operate. So we at least had some bit of a field day, but uh, it kept us all yeah. safe, kept the equipment safe. You know, not bad well, for a little $30 piece of equipment. I remember I remember that day, and uh, it, the water was so deep out there, everybody was up on top of the uh, picnic tables. Yeah. We and, were on like a little two-foot-high mound in the park. And yet yeah. we still had an inch or two of standing water inside the pavilion. And everybody was on top of the picnic tables. And I think they even had a tarp trying to cover the radios up. But, yeah. you know, Glenn, if I'm not mistaken, those were metal picnic tables, man. Yeah, they were. We would have glowed in the dark. Oh, if been man, lighting. yeah. Well, you know, it was fun. Uh, I watched the ducks uh, cross the road uh, swimming. And, uh, you know, and we, had, uh, we had fun that day. Yeah. But, uh, does yeah, that and, uh, does your uh, does your uh, device here show that the antenna is disconnected? I think it does. Shows the disconnect, but what it does is it provides you with a contact, a relay, a switch contact, a relay contact that you would have to have uh, a a separate uh, antenna relay. You can you use a standard relay uh, for that. There's many uh, designs of that in QST and elsewhere. And uh, that, that design was so that you can use pretty much any kind of relay and setup that you wanted. But I leave that actual functionality up to you because it's real, real easy to come up with an antenna disconnect relay. Yeah, you know, for HF, you can use just about any any relay to work. Uh, right. In fact, if you look inside these auto tuners and stuff, they're just basically little oh, just plastic, just simple relays, you know. Oh, a whole slew of relays. What I'm using on my remote, my remote base here is I've got a coaxial uh, antenna switch. I think it came out of a, uh, one of these high-powered, probably Motorola mobile rigs, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like a 12-volt coaxial. I, I, I do that. And uh, so, uh, actually, when I turn the remote base off, it, it I, I use a uh, Wemo. Is it Wemo? It's the uh, Wi-Fi deal. A uh, little app on your phone. I just turn the remote base on or off, and that uh, that turns the power on or off, or, or, or disconnects, and, and at the same time disconnects or connects the antenna. Right. But, uh, you know, that's pretty neat the way that thing there uh, is smart enough to know when to turn off the or, or disconnect the antenna. Now, hey, yeah. the next couple of days we got some rain and storms coming in here, so you might get to test that thing out there. Oh, it's been thoroughly tested, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, I, this was in my first book, and I decided to update it and give it one of those color displays and just totally clean it up a little bit. All right. And added the disconnect code and things of that nature. All right. Well, let me do this real quick. We'll be right back, guys. We will take about a minute break here, and we'll be back, and we will continue to show after that. Cabin Fever, spring into the new year with ICOM. ICOM's newest amateur FM transceiver is the ICV3500, and it's ready to hit the road with whatever you're doing. With a compact body and simple interface, 
This radio is a must for those looking for a long-range mobile with a fresh look. The ICT-10 is a rugged portable that meets or exceeds standard military testing. With an IP67 waterproof rating, the ICT-10 can withstand any field activities ahead. Hear any transmission, listen to FM broadcast with the loud 1.5 watt speaker. The IC705 is a perfect sidekick and QRP companion. Base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers. It's a portable package. It covers HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at just over 2 pounds with an RF direct sampling. Most of the HF bands and IF sampling. The ID5100A is innovation and mobility taken to the next level. Designed from user input, the ID5100 offers an intuitive user interface experience with an industry-leading touchscreen display. Additionally, the ID5100 connects with Android devices and Bluetooth headsets via the optional Bluetooth module. The ID5100A is one of the most advanced dual-band mobiles on the market today. And last but not least is the ID52A. It's a VHF-UHF dual-bander with V-Star and FM dual-mode functions and is the first handheld amateur radio with a full-color 2.3-inch waterfall display. This radio supports conventional FM communications and D-Star simplex repeater regional and worldwide calls over the D-Star Internet Gateway. Visit www.icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM Radio. All right, guys, we are back with you, and we're having a good time. We've got Bill joining us here tonight, and we, Glenn's already uh, shown us the the uh, lightning uh, detector there. Uh, we haven't heard from Eric yet. You know, you know, uh, we, uh, you know, our our time changes from GMT uh, uh, UTC. You know, sometimes we're five hours, sometimes we're six hours, and five hours. I hate that. I wish they'd fix that. So maybe uh, maybe there's a problem. Maybe uh, Eric might come in uh, an hour late. I don't know. Uh, but uh, if he does, he'll probably be coming in in the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes. So we'll, we'll wait and see if uh, Eric comes in here. Uh, so uh, let's, let me, uh, again, make it a, a quick announcement out there while we got a minute here. If you're listening on WBCQ, uh, send us an email to tom at w5kub.com. This show is about ham radio, amateur radio and shortwave listening, and we'd love to hear from you. Let us know where you are. Uh, you can find us on uh, just about any podcast out there. Uh, we, we've got, we read emails tonight from some of our podcast viewers, not viewers, but our podcast listeners, I guess. And uh, we thank you for those, uh, we thank you for those notes uh, that you sent us there. Uh, let's see, Mark P says, or he was an hour early. I don't know, maybe he was an hour early. I don't know. Anyway, what was that? Congress is actually working on a law to make daylight savings time the permanent time and we won't shift. My personal stance is no, go and use standard time. And if you want to change your store hours or business hours, then that's what you do. But the world has 24 time zones. Let's not go doing this daylight savings time and messing up with the time zones. Yeah, I don't really care what to do. Just make it one. I yeah. do wish they'd just pick one, though. I'll settle for that. Yeah. I mean, hey. here, what, in a week, I got to 
start getting up at 4 a.m. to go to work instead of 5 a.m. Well, let me tell you, the 4 a.m. is not fun. Uh, Thursday, we got up at 4 a.m. to ride that train down to New Orleans. Uh, that was not fun getting up, no. man. You kind of have a sick feeling when you get up at 4 in the morning, you know. Now, man, we probably got people. Not move at 4 a.m. <laughs> we probably got people in the, in the uh, chat room here to get up early every morning, you know, and that's normal for them, but... Uh, Hey guys, when you when you like me and almost like Glenn here about to retire, man, four in the morning comes awful early. Uh-uh. No, I, I don't do well. You know, two days a week I get to get up at 6 a.m. and then three days a week I do the 5 a.m. thing. And I that's going to be one of the first things I do when I retire is I'm going to sleep until about 10 or 11 every oh, yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. So, Bill, this, uh, I don't know if you, you probably tune in late. We this is the 40th anniversary of the cell phone coming out, man. Look at that right there, man. And you know, I uh, used to operate one of those. I used to have one of those. Yeah, kind of like this one right In here. In fact, man. I had the old. I had uh, the oldest working cell phone in North Alabama. Did you? Uh, 17 years on one cell phone. Yeah. And they oh, didn't Lord. know what to do with it. It was one of those flip phones, the yeah. Motorola flip phone <laughs> yeah. with, the, with the orange LED on it. And uh, they they had no idea how to convert that plan over to an iPhone. And it took them <laughs> four and a half hours. And they kept calling their other employees over. Look at this. Look at this. Did you, yeah. you ever see yeah. anything like this? <laughs> Oh, the, the cell phone was older than some of the employees. Oh, my word. <laughs> well, I'm sure that we've got some people in the chat room tonight that uh, were not even born when I got this phone right here. So, Oh, I do have another little piece of news I got earlier got? this week. Uh, I will be officially doing an Arduino forum at Dayton this year. <clears throat> I'll be doing it at 915 on Saturday morning in building four. So this will be my first Arduino forum at Dayton and I'm hoping it's going to be a good one. Well, that's good. Glad you uh, finally got on the, uh, the roster up there. And what, what day is that? Uh, Glenn? Saturday. Saturday. Um, what is Saturday. that? The 19th or 20th, whatever the dates are. Yeah, I'll be Friday at uh, noon, well, 11 o'clock, 1115, uh, in Forum Room 3. Yeah. But yeah, they'll mine, be on Friday. Mine's on the Saturday, the 20th, mm -hmm. and you're on the 19th. Well, folks, we are not going this year. After 40 consecutive years, we're going we're gonna to skip out. Not going to go. But, hey. Yeah, you're going to miss all the fun. You're going to miss me and Bill doing presentations. You know what? I, I can probably handle it okay, but we will go to Huntsville for sure. We'll be there. We'll be there with bells on our, our shoes. Yeah. I'll bring the bells. All right. I'll bring uh, the shoes. All right. Very, very good. We'll all right. Those little so, curly, you know, curly you know shoes. what we'll do here in just a minute, since, since uh, Eric hadn't shown up here, we'll probably open the phone lines and Zoom early tonight, and let's just see if we can get some uh, precipitation. Yeah, that's the word. See if we can get some precipitation out of our viewers. What do you think? I think we can. Oh, I'm sure we can. Yeah, well, we'll try it. All right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and post a phone number.
Uh, if I do that, let's see. It's a while since I've done this. Let's see. Copy, paste. Well, no, I've got it on my TV program here. Let's see. Well, oh, a new phone on the right. Hey, Tom, there I've we. got a call for you oh, here. We. What was that? I got a call. Let me. I've got a call for you here. Let me okay. pull the antenna out, get a little better reception on it. All there right. you go. <laughs> Let me see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty oh, good. It's 1990, 1990 is calling you. Yeah, Tra well, tr transfer it to his phone. I'll, I'll, I'll check you out right here. What, 1980, whatever, <laughs> 40 years? What did that be for? Yeah, look at the advance between 1980 and 1990. Uh, it was actually about 1994. <laughs> yeah, this and phone, this phone's so bad. This phone's so bad. Uh, the green screen's making it melt, man. <laughs> yeah. All I, right. I carried this phone to the mall once, and I held it up like I was making calls, and <clears throat> people were saying, looking <clears throat> at me and making big, uh, you know, comments. Look at that cell. Is that a cell you phone? Know, what is that? You know, same thing. And, you know, I had this phone probably when most people never even had a cell phone. It had just come out. You know, this was for work. And back then, we wore suits. And uh, a friend of mine and I, we would we'd go to a parts store at lunch, you know, uh, out there. And we'd have our phone with us. And the first thing, and we'd ask for somebody. And the first thing they would say is, hey, Joe, the cops are here to talk to you. I don't know why, but uh, I don't know. Oh, man. All right. You know, so. the battery's still good on this. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I've, gone through, I've gone through several <clears throat> iPhone batteries, which they have to solder, deep solder, and it costs $80. Uh, the battery, I, I can charge this up, and it still works. Amazing. I'm going to bring the phones up in case there's somebody that wants to join us by phone. I, we don't get too many phone calls, though. Now, I, really I, remember wanted, I really wanted to test this thing out. I mean, you know, the specs say the specs say we can take 1,000 simultaneous calls. And I've never had over three or four at the same time, man. So let's see. Join. Well, you can use your phone there and call it. Yeah, and I've done that before. I've done that. Well. You know, what I think is amazing, back when they first started talking about the cell technology, I read up on that. I'm like, I have no clue how they're going to make that work. That I made no sense at, me to all, uh, no, at all to me about the concept of cells and switching radios between cells and that kind of thing. Well, you know who invented that? Eddie Lamar. The yeah. Hollywood movie star lady invented, basically, and I think she patented it, but uh, that was the, I don't know, the, the, the cell system, the trunking, whatever, however it was. She, yeah, she invented frequency hopping yeah, as well. Yeah, fre the frequency hopping. That was Hedy Lamar. Uh, that was, yeah. what, a 1940s actress, I guess, maybe yeah. 1930s, 1940s actress. And uh, she did that, I think, during the war effort to help, uh, I don't know, I I guess they experimented and used that some during the war. Uh, Don says spread, spread spectrum. That's what it was. Yeah. Spread spectrum. All right. So uh, let's see. I think. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Hear that? 
Yep, that same if old you guys, elevator music. If you guys don't want to hear that music, somebody better call the phone company, phone our phone line right here. If we get a call, the music stops. All right, I'm going to turn the music down, and I will try to watch it. Watch it. I, I don't have a ringer on here, so... You know, that's interesting. The phone system will take a thousand calls, but there's no ringer to, you know, watch. I mean, you know, they, why'd they cut costs right there, I wonder. So anyway, so I'll, uh, I'll have to watch it. Uh, I have been known to uh, not watch it very often, and people are on, on hold over there for like 20 minutes, you know. All right, so I've uh, I put the uh, uh, Zoom link out there. I put the Zoom link out, and here's the phone number and the Zoom link. You can take your pick, guys, on which one you might use to uh, uh, to join us there. Uh, let's see. Yep, that's right. Okay. Maybe turn the music up just a little bit. Yeah, maybe we can kind of hear the music. There. Okay. All right. Well, Bill, what do you got going on new there, man? We hadn't talked in a while. Anything going on? Oh, just trying, just trying to get high-speed internet out in the hinterlands here. Um, it's so showing that I have bandwidth is low, but I just tested it, and it seems pretty fast. Um, so I don't know what's going on with that. Well, it, um, it's looking good tonight. I've got one of those tonight. new Verizon home internet things. What's that? It's looking good tonight, and also your picture looks good. Your Zoom looks good. You must have fixed your Zoom. Yeah, I had to reinstall it, and yeah. I've got a new, uh, and I've also put it on a new laptop here. So. Oh, um, hey, we got a call. Yeah, I've got uh, hundred times the hundred times the internet speed that I uh, normally have. That's, that's it's great. The Verizon five G. All right, hey, we have our first caller tonight. Hello, caller. Who's there? Good afternoon. Good evening to you from VK uh, Land. VK Land. This okay. Yes, this is Mike VK too. Mike. Hey, Mike. How you doing, man? Oh, good. Good. Doing the show tonight. Well, give us a signal report. Give us a signal report. How how are we getting down here tonight? Maybe five by nine, probably. Yeah, five by nine for sure. Our audio pretty good. <laughs> yep. All right. Did, did did you dial the local uh, VK number or did you dial the US number? I no, I got a VK number call. Oh, okay. That. Okay. Hey guys, we have phone numbers in sixty-five countries. Uh, if you're in a foreign country, hey, just go to our website w5kub.com. Click on uh, Contact Us, and over on the left side, you'll see information about the phone numbers, and just click on International Numbers, and, you know, it'll pull up the number. It'll pull up your number yeah, there. The number for down here in uh, Yeah, okay. Well. Well, you know, he just missed it, though. If he had been the 999th caller, he would have won the grand prize. That's right. He he would have. He would have. <laughs> anyway, uh, make um, the effort to uh, put in 
a call, and um, I'll let you guys do it. Well, hey, man, we appreciate you calling in from uh, VK land down there. Uh, and uh, at least uh, at least we got one call on our 1,000-line telephone system tonight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, join us on, join us on uh, Zoom if you want to, man. Join us on Zoom if you want to, Mike. And good night, dear. You know that's actually one country I've never worked. Oh, really? I'm hoping to do it this this sol this solar cycle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, let's see what else is going on here. Um, oh, let's see. Let me let me just make an announcement again. Hey guys, join our Facebook group. It's called W5KUB. Love to have you join that Facebook group. Hit the subscribe button. Again, subscribe button is right there. You can't miss it. Hit the subscribe button. We got the phone number listed at the bottom of the screen. We've uh, in the chat room. We've listed both the phone number and the Zoom link number for you to call. I see. A red light came on over here. I see Rick joined us, WA4NVM, uh, here in the Memphis area. He must have had a meeting tonight or something. I think they, uh, some, uh, some of the clubs have meetings on Tuesday nights, don't they, uh, Glenn? Yeah, they do. Um, is this the second? No, this is not the second Tuesday of the month. Uh, it's only the first. Yeah, uh, well, no, no, no. Well, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. Tuesday you're was right. The 28th. You're right. Trust me, this I know. You're right. Well, this is after the show show, guys. So, you know, we, we went to the after the show show early tonight. We were expecting our guest, uh, Eric uh, 4Z1UG, founder of uh, QSO Today podcast. He was supposed to be with us tonight talking about Virtual Ham Expo coming up. That's going to come up March the 25th and 26th. So, if you uh, haven't attended that, it's virtual, it's online, it's, uh, it's uh, rooms. You can go to any room and listen to forums and see stuff and products. March the 25th and 26th, a virtual ham expo. You can probably just go to uh, Eric's. Well, you can go to the QSO, uh, Today pod QSO Today, and you can probably get a link to it there, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, I actually have presented... Uh before and it's really really cool it is a very very uh nice feeling virtual ham fest environment it's it's really well done yeah yeah hey someone asked uh, have we recovered the ant crew yet we have not heard from huey dewey and louie it's very unusual usually our search and rescue teams usually pick those guys up within one or two days we have not heard anything from them they went down somewhere, somewhere around Israel to Syria. And uh, they could be in the water. They could be on land. I don't know where they are. So uh, they're, they're probably doing a march in the desert. Yeah, they could be. Uh, of course, they have been in the desert before and uh, probably some long marches. You know, I mean, if you guys remember, once they crashed in the desert there in uh, western China, and they were rescued there by the, the uh, Tibetan monks. Uh, let's see. I think we had another 
Oh, there's a there's that was a big story right there where uh, our two man crew, Huey and Dewey, were rescued there by the uh, be be doing uh, what is it be doing uh, Bedouin Bedouin uh, tribe out there. Yeah. I think it took them days to get there. Uh, we have not heard. I, I'm still uh, optimistic that we will hear from Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Uh, and we will probably get them in the air again sometime soon. Uh, we do still have one balloon flying right now. W5KUB113 is still flying. And you can you can uh, uh, see that on our website, W5KUB.com. Uh, it's been up now 100 and... I'm sorry, what was that, uh, Bill? Yeah, something? there are two Antarctic uh, balloons uh, flying. Is, doesn't 115 still transmitting no 115 went down about four days ago i think so 113 is the only balloon that's down oh. here and that's the one that crossed the equator from from being launched here in the memphis area oh okay w that was wb4 elk-7 is still transmitting on 10 meters from the southeast of new zealand that's the last antarctic balloon to still fly then yeah yeah they're all just about fizzled out down there so uh, let me see. Let me but see the where the GPS isn't working right on that one, so it's not giving a good altitude. Yeah. But uh, uh, I just checked WhisperNet, and we've got all kinds of reception reports from that one all over the west coast of the U.S. right now. Let's see. One third. So it's transmitting right now. Uh. Let me pull it up here. I see where 113 is right now. And this one, I didn't expect 113 to stay up very long. Uh, we, uh, it's it's flying heavy, 113 heavy. It's crossing uh, Chile right now. That's what it is. That's where he is. Let me, let me pull it up here. If I can. You might can see it on the map here. It's right, right over, uh, right over, right over Chile. So, um, it has been uh, it's been doing pretty good. Although that was heavy. Uh, normally we fly much lighter, uh, but we put double uh, solar panels and we put the 100 milliwatt amplifier on this guy, so he's loaded down. Uh, but he's still doing pretty good at about 40, 45,000 feet, and looks like uh, 73 miles an hour across from Chile there. So. I don't know, it's hard to keep up with where they are down here. Uh, it's hard to tell when they make a circle around the earth, you know, and not much down here to see. At least they're not being shot at down here. That's, uh, that's the main thing here. Hey, they, uh, they uh, launched I some... I see uh, 115 actually descended. Uh, what was that? I see 115 actually was descending. You can see it on the oh, charts. You can? It oh. was actually going down. I didn't. I I didn't look that close to it. Uh, there was a ham fest this weekend. This past weekend in Houston, they did a balloon launch uh, uh, out in uh, out there at the ham fest. They made an announcement at noon. They were launching the Pico balloons, and they said at twelve. They said at twelve thirty, the missiles will be launched. So they had a head start. <laughs> Thirty minute head start. <laughs> So uh, I think they launched four, and I think three of them went down probably uh, on the way up. 
Uh, I don't know if one is still up or not, but it uh, didn't sound like they had a lot of uh, uh, success well, from that launch. Well, as of, uh, as of the 4th of uh, March, uh, you know, right at uh, 0100, 0158 UTC, you were flying along at 38,000 feet. It, when it woke up the next morning at 1458 Zulu, it was at 6,000 feet ah. and going down. And yeah. it actually, you got reports all the way down to 2,500 feet. Oh, wow. So it was on its way in. Yeah, yeah. So it finally, uh, so the only one flying now is WB4ELK-7. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like the 113 in the original like, Antarctic. Yeah, it looks like the uh, 113 has been up 152 days. That still ain't bad, you know. Our other one, uh, other one was up. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. The other one was up 257 days. A little disappointed it came down after 257 days. This guy's still flying. Maybe he can get 200, 257 days. I don't know, but we'll uh, we'll see. You know. Still how many days? Time. How many days did you have on 115? Um, how many days has that been up? Uh, let's see. 115 was up. I got it right here. Let's go to 115. Well, uh, I needed to stop it. I think it was it was about a, uh, at least a week ago. So take seven off of that. It was about 90-something days. Oh, no. That's uh, not too bad. That was 115, about 90 days. So, No, considering when you first started with the uh, the balloons, you were lucky to get a week out of them. Yeah, you know, it was it was real hit and miss four years ago. But I can tell you, things have changed. Just, like, just as technology changes over time, I think the balloon thing has changed over time. And what used to be very difficult three years ago, three and a half years ago, is it, it, it's getting pretty easy now. And, you know, I always said if you want to send one around the world, you got to try 10 times. We made it on our ninth time. Uh, but uh, now I'm telling people, I think if you use one of these balloons that, that we found here, I think you got a good chance of making it around the first time. I really do. Yeah. Actually, mine, the, the 114, made it, you know, first time around. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one that went went up from Antarctica. That how was long was that? One fourteen was up. Uh, oh, it was up quite a while. Let me look here. About twenty or thirty days, maybe. I looked at the wrong. Yeah, no, it was more than that. I think it's two months. Oh yeah, it was up several months. It was up quite a quite a time. Yeah. All right, guys. If you want to talk to us, uh, phone lines are open. Call that phone number right there. Or you can join us on Zoom here. We're probably going to probably close the show down about 9.30 tonight. Uh, that's about another 25 minutes. So if you want to get in here with us, you better get us, give us a call here. Next week, Dr. Duino is going to be with us next week. And then a week after, again, I'll be in Russellville, Arkansas, presentation with the uh Arkansas River Valley Amateur Radio Club over there and visit my old college and uh, uh, I'll have just had some fun over there go up on Mount Nebo and uh, 
maybe, uh, and then we're going to just eat at Whataburger. I remember when the Whataburger was built right there on the campus, man. We got one here in South Haven. Let me now. tell I'm you. Have to let me out. tell you, man. Hey, you eat that college uh, food there in the, in the cafeteria, and then you build a Whataburger on the campus? Let me tell you, man. Oh, they had they got business the business. They could shake a stick they, at. They got the business, and it's still there. And this this has been fifty years now. It, That's it's amazing. Still, it's still there, man. Oh man. So we're gonna check out the water burger too. I'm sure. That's making me hungry right now. I just wish that Popeyes, you know, wasn't so busy because I love their chicken sandwiches. The one here, the cars are always wrapped around the buildings. Pretty much every hour, they're open. Yeah. Good night, Doc. Uh, Papa Doc is signing off, it looks like. 73, Doc. Glad you were with us tonight. Hmm. Well, you know, and I was talking to Bill, I think, or somebody the other day. I'm not in any hurry to get another balloon back in the air right now, just because it's getting so easy to fly. So I want to do something. I want to do something harder. I want to do something more difficult. I want to. Maybe we need to send one up with a chaff dispenser. I want to do. I want to do one with more of a challenge. You know, if you're not sending one up with a challenge, not fun anymore. So, you know, I'd really like to try to hit sixty-five. Float at sixty-five thousand. Now, well, here's what you do. You, you paint one with the tar. You know, paint a target on the balloon. Yeah. And that there's yeah. your challenge. If that survives, then you know you did it right. Yeah. Well, you know, three balloons. If you do the numbers, three balloons really don't fly really hardly any higher than one balloon because you're adding extra weight. And uh, I mean, you know, if if X balloon will only fly at forty nine thousand. Y balloons only fly at forty nine thousand, and Z balloons gonna fly at forty nine thousand. You tie them all together, and they're gonna fly at forty nine thousand. You know, the BD eight IOL's got your challenge. Dangle a Chinese flag from it. Uh, I don't know about that, man. You know, <laughs> but you know, um, how does the math work for getting it to sixty five thousand feet? Well, I think so, Bill. Don't you think the GPS works at sixty five? Where'd Bill go? Do I we, just meant the floating capability. Do we, do we lose Bill? He's muted. He's coming. Yeah, I'm here. Did do you think uh, the question um, was? Do you think the GPS will work at sixty-five thousand? Uh, it depends on the GPS. Yeah. The U blocks that I use, you have yeah. to send a command to it to make it work above uh, forty thousand feet. Uh, but all GPSs. Uh, most GPSs will work up there unless they've got a restriction on them. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the manufacturer. Some of them, um, some of them don't. You just have to test them. Yeah, and the only way to test them is to stick them up there, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well. Well, now uh, they they do have GPS simulators that you can buy. Yeah. In fact, they have a program for these uh, SDR uh, modules that you can. Um, uh, I had one at Dayton I bought that uh, 
if you add a program to it, it'll actually transmit uh, GPS. Uh, so you can fake it out to make it think that it's yeah, I, uh, I, I, flying I guess you up could. at 65,000. Right, yeah. Well, you know, I think that we put these, what, what is it called? Air, air mode or something? Is that what? In the firmware? Or, well, uh, in the U-blocks, you, you set it up for airborne mode. Uh, yeah. But I don't remember on the uh, ones you're using the ATGMs what the command is. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. So yeah, I would work. like to. I'd like. Uh, I think if it works about to forty thousand feet, it'll work on up to sixty-five. Well, you know, and and this this one here, this uh, ATGM whatever, you know, that's what we've been flying in. You know, uh, 113, no, 112, when we first launched it, it was it was floating at around 51,000. It did that for about the first week or a few days, and then it came down to about 49. It's been between 47 and 49 the whole time, so I think it will probably uh, probably do it. Uh, so, you know, the challenge, the challenge is I just don't think there's a balloon. I just don't think there's a envelope that can get us up there. I mean, well, you yeah. probably want to uh, fly maybe two of those uh, Yokohama balloons, well, or maybe even three, supported by a lightweight ring of some sort. Yeah. You want to keep them apart from each other. Yeah, I was in bed the other night thinking that all night you know how would i support them i mean a ring is going to weigh some it's going to add some weight there you know for sure and of course that's going to kill well things. now what we've what we've done when flying uh, those pancake balloons we tape uh the top balloon to the yep. uh the neck of the top balloon to ridge top ridge line yeah. of yeah. the uh bottom balloon Right, and some but of those, some of those balloons, some of those balloons even had a tab on the top that you could, you know, you could they did, it to. they yeah. did. So I don't, um, I don't know, you know. You would have to do. The, uh, the thing about it, if you can get it up to fifty, if you can get it up to sixty-five thousand, it ain't going to ever hit a storm. Well, they're they're less likely to be a target for one, yeah. and uh, also you're above. Most uh, uh, ninety-nine percent of the weather. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you're going to stay up a very long time. And the winds are. That's uh, the reason the your one slow. flight is The winds are very slow up there too, so it might be less stress on the balloons. Uh, I don't know. I, I've, I've thought and thought and thought and, about uh, putting together. And up until recently, most countries considered that to be uncontrolled airspace. Yeah. About 60,000. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think if I'm going for the 65, uh, I'm not going to be adding any extra weight. Uh, weight's the killer, so no more PA system, no more extra extra uh, solar cells. In fact, we may even cut a couple solar cells off and run for le on less solar cells. So I think the key is going to be get that weight down. You know, our, our weight's around, total weight's around 7.8 grams. 
maybe get the whole trucker down to like five grams. I mean, the whole everything down to five grams. This antenna, the the solar panels, the tracker, Starcom, everything. That's hard to believe you can get it down that low. So I think I don't know. I, I played with the numbers building a float sheet the other night, and I, I saw absolutely no increase. I may have been doing it wrong. The, uh, I really didn't see sheet, any increase. I didn't see any increase to, two and three to a balloons. certain level, but that float sheet, uh, you have to, uh, beyond a certain point, it's diminished returns on how accurate it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mike says change to hydrogen. I don't know if he's talking to us or not, but we always run hydrogen in our balloons because that gives us a, a little bit more and, uh, altitude than, than uh, the, the helium. Yeah, substantially more, and uh, also reduces the leak leakage rate substantially yeah, too. Yeah. So there's uh, two benefits. Plus, it's cheap. Yep. Hydrogen helium is getting incredibly hard to come by, even in small quantities right now. Mm -hmm. I've got a little twenty cubic foot tank of helium on order, and it's it it will take six weeks before they can obtain some, even in that small quantity. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I, and that's what I'm going to use for the date. I'm just thinking if I'm trying to hold three balloons separate from each other, that just the extra weight's going to kill it. So I don't know. Well, um, yeah, you do. Or I mean, you could just uh, tie them together and hope that the friction of them yeah. rubbing against each other won't affect it. Now, what one guy did was the glue on the pancake balloons, he glued them together uh, on the side. Yeah. Or I think he used that high, uh, very high bond tape is what it used. 3M makes a, a VHB tape that survives cold temperatures. We'll have to think about that one. Well, you know, uh, I wish they made a 48-inch yeah, balloon. That would be uh, that solve all our we problems. Have. Oh, we had someone on the phone. Uh, so, Bill, these balloons—they blow up around right around 100 inches in diameter I mean, in uh, circumference. My notes show that one, one twelve, the one that flew the fifty-one thousand. My notes show a circumference of a hundred and eleven inches on that balloon. Now I don't know if I got. You probably had an extra special balloon there. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know if their quality control is off. Where you know you get different size ones in the package. But I, I'm almost certain because when I did the next ones, I was trying to get it up to 105 inches or something. It just didn't want to go there. I mean, 100, 101 was about it. But I, I'm almost certain I had 111 inches on 112. And um, you probably had a had a, uh, an outlier that uh, worked for your benefit. Yeah. Do we pre-stretch them? Uh, well, we we fill them out for sure uh, because 
The way these uh, four-gore balloons are, they, they press them down so tight that the seams kind of stick. And, uh, you know, it, when it gets cold and up there, they, they might not come apart very good. So we do fill it, we do fill it out at least to its maximum uh, diameter or circumference. I have tried stretching. Uh, these balloons just don't want to stretch. My my experience is they don't want to they don't want to stretch, and uh, and that's good. You don't want them really to stretch, but you really would like a little bit more more volume. But I tell you, I think I had I had that 111 incher, and that's that's why it flew so high. And I mean, I don't want to get 10 out of the box and blow them all up to see which one I can get you know 111 inches out of because that would pretty much destroy all that's of probably them. what you'd have to do <laughs> yeah yeah i know it. Uh, so i don't know but uh well we can talk to the yokohama balloon company and see if we can special order some 48 inch ones now, i'll tell you if you i i bet you a 48 inch one i bet you a sucker would fly at seventy thousand feet i mean that's big it probably would that's big so I mean, but nobody makes one. You know, the biggest one we can find is that 32, 32 inch. It seems like that's where their yeah. uh, their 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 machine stops. You know, their mold or whatever. Ah, well. So if and when we do launch, we're going for sixty-five thousand guys, and uh, that. Oh, triples. by the way, Tom, we've got a. a just to let people know, the Great Plains Super Launch is June 16th and 17th in Huntsville, Alabama. So hopefully you can come out to that. Uh, we'll have a conference on Friday talking about when, when is that the again? When is that? balloons and pico balloons. What's the date on that? Uh, it's Friday and Saturday, June 16th and 17th in Huntsville, Alabama at the University of Alabama yeah. Huntsville campus. Yeah. And then we'll be launching... Uh, Several uh, latex balloons, pico balloons, all at once from the Severe Weather Institute, which is across the street from campus. It's about a mile from uh, Space Camp. Yeah, okay. So uh, Bruce says just put them in series, one on top of the other. Uh, well, you know, Bruce, the problem with these particular balloons, you only have one little bitty tie point, and it's at the bottom of the balloon. Uh, and you don't want the string going around it and touching the balloon because the string uh, moving around, the string will uh, destroy the balloon. It'll pop. And you know, by going with three balloons, you're you're actually uh, you're you're increasing your failure rate by about two or three times for sure. Uh, but these balloons seem well. The the pancake balloons had about an eighth inch uh, press. Uh, area that was a ridge that you could attach to yeah so that's what people did yeah when they stacked them on top of each other and i've tried them side by side where they're just banging into each other that doesn't work yeah the only way that it worked when we were doing those pancake balloons were to stack them vertically and two helped uh, a great deal but three is diminished returns it really didn't see a lot of benefit stacking three of them yeah, Bruce asked again, do they have longer ones at the same diameter? Well, you know, we've, we've found it when we were trying to build balloons. The longer ones really don't fly much higher because uh, you're adding a lot more material uh, to get that length. 
uh, in there. And uh, what, what, what works and the best is And also they're a, a cylinder yeah. instead of a spear. Yeah, yeah. A spear is what you want, man. And that's what these four gore balloons are. They, they puff out to almost a, a completely round spear. And uh, uh, even the SBS balloon is almost a flat, like a pancake. It, it, I mean, it's, it's got some flatness to it. It's about eight well, feet it's, long. It's, it's, isn't it 32 it's inches? It's a cylinder balloon. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a cylinder balloon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess it is. Just because it's it's long. As Dwayne said, color. paint paint them with moosehead uh, beer. At least the Canadians won't shoot them down now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we don't want them bouncing against each other. We don't want the string rubbing each other. So that's an issue. Uh, I will say that as a result of all this publicity. There are a lot of uh, hams that had never heard of this aspect of ham radio, and uh, I've got a lot of interest from people uh, joining our uh, mail list for Eco Balloons, and yeah, uh, it's really quite phenomenal well, the I've, increase in interest uh, that that resulted. I've noticed the the launches have gone up. I mean, there's people launching these things right and left now. Yeah. Well, I hope that the uh, uh, that they've turned the filters back on their radar so as not to see every little party balloon now. <laughs> well, I, 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 they probably have. I mean, even just a couple of days after the shoot down stuff, we crossed the U.S. Uh, with uh, 112, and you know, no. I was worried about that. No yeah. excitement. <laughs> no excitement there. Uh, you know, it, it was all right. So. Oh, okay. All right. Well. Hey Tom, I huh? just have a question for you. My uh, my feedback on Zoom shows my uh, motions as being jerky and blocky, and it's got a message that says network bandwidth is low. I see Do you that. see that? I see or are that. The people seeing that online. I see the message, but what is I see, what you... yeah, what I see is your your uh, your video is not moving sometimes, but you're still talking. So. Audio's coming through, your video's kind of frozen from time to time. Uh, from At other times, it looks normal. Oh. Huh. But, yeah, it just... Interesting. Yeah. It's showing pretty good uplink yeah. speed. Um, uh -huh. So I'll have, to, I'll have to see what's going on with that. Because I'm on a completely different... I think this new Zoom has got issues, <laughs> unless you've got uh, gigabit internet. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I don't think there's any way to um, to set any kind of bit rate or anything. It just automatically. Yeah, you can't choose that. Right. Now, I don't have gigabit. I mean, I'm running Windows Seven on an older machine, and uh, you know, it, it does fine with me. So it just may be something about that laptop you're on, though, too, Bill. The laptops sometimes run real slow, even though they've got the bigger processors. Well, I've got I got twenty two yeah, megs. A brand new one. I got twenty two megs up, and it appears that's enough for the show and for my Zoom. I've got like a thousand uh, down, I've thousand down, four. but twenty two up. You know. Yeah. I'm showing uh, eight down and uh, about three up right now 
On my DSL, it's 0.2. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty bad. Yeah, you uh -huh. might need to get yourself a little antenna and point it towards that tower. Yeah. I'm going to put a uh, reflector behind the uh, the unit and there put a little go. dish behind it. Yeah. It might be lag time because I'm probably 20 miles from the 5G tower. Yeah, lag time could definitely be a part of it too. I'm going to run an internet speed test here and see what it's saying now. But if yeah, you you're... want an internet speed test that doesn't have a lot of uh, doesn't have a lot of ads pop up ads. Uh, Google's got one. You go to Google and then type internet speed test. It's got a very simple speed test cool. that works pretty well. I've been trying also trying speedtest.net, but they've got all kinds of ads that pop up. Yeah. On. So, uh, yeah, I, I do the speed test uh, here. Um, you can do it with the browser, but they, they ask you to use the the app. And the uh, the app is uh, the app is a lot faster on the speed test than just using the browser. Let's see what I get here. Uh, all right, I've got 100 down and one up. Currently. Pretty good. It's great download, but one is it's still five times better than my DSL. Yeah, I'm and I'm gonna I'm gonna run a test here on an old laptop that I use for the phone line here. I, I don't expect very good on it, but in my office in here I get right at nine hundred and something down. Oh man, this is look look bad. I just have like thirty down and five up. Yeah, this is looking bad. But it looks like they're running cable in my neighborhood because I'm seeing them um, every day. There's these trucks bringing in these big concrete things that they're burying into the ground. It looks like a, you know, a, a terminal point or a jumper block or whatever for where the fiber is going to come in. And they're burying them along the, the easeway here. <laughs> N7XGR said I need some antenna wax to make those electrons fly off the uh, antenna unit a little better. I'll tell you what. Uh, gotta, so, hey, I'm Bill, are you, trying, uh, are you trying speed test? I reviewed, I reviewed that for 73 Magazine. Yeah. Are you, are, <laughs> you trying, that, uh, are you trying speed test.net? Is that where you go? Uh, no, I go to Google and then type in Internet speed test, and the Google's got its own uh, speed test. Okay. I always but, use uh, speedtest.net. I always use speedtest.net. Or there's another one called speakeasy.net. Right. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. I just run it on two different laptops here and they're not even the same. I'll try speedtest.net and see what it says. My my latency isn't bad. Ping time is pretty well, I'm running 29, 29.1 down, and I'm just barely pushing 1.6 1, 1. up. Well, I'm showing 1.2 up, but it, my video is freezing up, which is weird. But I had to update to the latest version of Zoom. 
And ever since I've done that, I've had issues. The older version of Zoom had no issues, even on low speed. So, so I just ran a speedtest.net, and I came out with about 26 megs down. I'm running, I'm running a test at speakeasy.net, and I'm showing 108 down. Uh, and I know these are two old laptops I'm using back here on a, uh, for the webcast, but uh, typically in the office I'm around 900 something down. Speakeasy, speakeasy.net is probably a better one. I found if I move my uh, my home internet box one inch to the left, it's much faster. Yeah. You know, I, I need to look too. Uh, it's very, I, I, I'm very showing, touchy. I'm showing a little over 100 meg here, but you know what? These old laptops may only have a 100 meg Ethernet card in them. That's a, a lot of it. Yeah. 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 I put uh, I, yeah, I put gigabit cards. Yeah, I got gigabit cards and gigabit switches here in the house, but uh, these laptops may only be a hundred megabit. Yeah, I got ninety-four down and point six nine up, so I think my upload speed is down a little bit below one. Huh? So that must be what's going on. But like I say, the older uh, version of Zoom handled point two up without any trouble. But uh, it seems to be, I think it needs this new version uh, has issues with lower yeah. speed internet. Oh, they probably need to take some of the bloatware out of it. That's, that's probably what they did. They added bloatware. You're that, right. That's that stuff. You know, you add more features and it just starts getting slow. It's like, no, give me the original stuff. Give me the fast stuff. This is a brand new laptop. Uh, this is a brand new laptop with hardly anything on it. So, an i5 internet. Yeah. You know. well, no, it's probably going to be your your connection. I, you know, I was assuming you had that high speed still going on. All right, guys. I am I going to. I'm doing the to, download, but the upload. I'm going to close the showdown at 9.30. And uh, get me to snack on a little hungry yeah that sounds like a good idea yeah so uh, hey guys join us next week 314 dr duano will be with us and with glenn i'm going to sit back and listen next week maybe i'll learn some neat projects that uh, he's got and maybe get back in and building some of them again all right save me three everybody good night everybody uh glad to uh I uh, have you with us tonight. See you next week. Send me through, everybody. Good night.